Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us imagining, feeling, get us wondering, connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do a bit more because we made the connection. Today, our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Adams, who, uh, Melissa Stanton Adams, who is the president and executive director, and she's my co-host. And she is the executive director of the Diversity Institute. And the Diversity Institute believes that diversity is everybody's business. And she also believes in the potential of all individuals as being important. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me again today. It's always awesome to be here with you. I always enjoy partnering with you, Melissa. Uh, we always seem to find new avenues to think about and talk about and and share with others. Yes. I think uh, connections that we make on Connections Radio are going to be profound and long-lasting. Oh, I hope so. I mean, that's our goal, isn't it? To, to open up conversation. Uh, we do do uh, a partnership with the Diversity Institute the first Saturday of the month. And uh, Melissa and I committed uh, for this year that we were going to do a deep dive with a book called The Racial Healing Handbook and its practical activities to help you challenge privilege, confront systemic racism, and engage in collective healing. And that's by Annalise Singh. Um, if you'd like to get that book, I highly encourage it. You don't need to have it, but I, I think it's a great read and a great set of practical exercises. And it is available on Amazon. And last week, last month, last month, the first Saturday of the month, we we introduced the idea about talking about how racism hurts everyone and that we've all been traumatized by racial discrimination. Yeah. And we all need to heal, and we need yeah. to have this healthy acceptance of our race, um, our own individual race, so that we can have meaningful connections. Because if you are not in a place, in a good place to accept who you are, it's really hard to connect with others. It is. And we talked about healing being a process uh, and how healing ourselves helps us to support others in their healing process. And that we've that you and I, Melissa, we've known each other for ten years, but in committing to do this journey together, I think we're open to learning new things and being vulnerable uh, with everyone about how we deepen our own healing process. That's right, Lori. And I think when you think about it, as you mentioned, ten years is a long time to know someone, but do we really have the deeper conversations around race, equity? with our um, friends who do not look like us. Right. It's easy for me to have these conversations with people who look like me, my African-American counterparts or people of color. The challenge to have these conversations with my white counterparts. So kudos to you, Lori, for being willing to have these conversations with me. Well, it's so important. I remember when you were on the show last year, and it was soon after George Floyd's uh, murder, and yeah. we were also talking, you know, is not only about George Floyd, but we we're talking about Juneteenth. And it, it was such a glaring um, opposition, <laughs> you 
you know, yes. where have where have we come from and where are we now and where do we need to go? I mean, it was it. And so I think you and I have been keeping that that theme going of like, what does this mean? Why did this happen? And, right. And where do we go from here? Exactly. Um, and George Floyd's uh, still in the news. We're gearing up this month for the trial of Derek Chauvin, the the former police officer charged in, in George Floyd's death. But what I didn't realize, I mean, I knew that it, it there was nationwide and, and global, but I had no idea that there were more than 1,700 cities and towns in all wow. 50 states uh, that protested. In a, and, and it was a multicultural group um, that protested. And and even recently, uh, Mayor Fry said that the trial will probably increase trauma for us all as, as we get closer and approach it, which gets us back to I believe it's really important for us to address what does it mean to heal from the racial trauma. And well, yeah, I think, and as you mentioned, George Floyd, I, um, my family and I went down to the George Floyd uh, Memorial yesterday. Um, it was pretty interesting. We were with a photographer, um, and this photographer wanted to find a way to give back after um, everything that happened last year around George Floyd's uh, death. So she decided she'd like to partner with some African-American women-owned businesses and, and do some photo shoots. So she took us down to George Floyd's memorial, and it was the first time I'd been down there uh, since since the incident happened. And it's beautiful, first of all. Every uh, major artery into that area has been blocked off. So all four blocks of this is blocked off. There's no way to drive a car through there. And they've named it the George Floyd, um, George Floyd Square. And it's beautiful. There are murals that are there. The artists that came out and, and um, lended their talent to this uh, horrific event really beautified that that space. The part that was really surreal for me was standing, at, being able to stand in the spot where uh, George Floyd's life was taken, and in that spot, people have come. And as it's uh, spring is sprouting in Minnesota, and the the snow is melting, people have brought fresh flowers mm. and placed them in a circle around the area where George Floyd's life was taken. Um, and then there's a huge circle in the center of the street um, with a, a big black power fist. Art, some artists did it in, in a uh, sculpture in metal, and it's surrounded by flowers. Oh. Um, and the flowers are being taken care of. There are people who are hanging out in that area. I guess they're doing shifts to make sure that this area remains a memorial site to George Floyd. I think that, that spot might get very busy yeah. um, as the trial is, is coming about. And and the way that they've created that both artistic and sacred spot, yes. I think, yes. allows a certain reflection. And even though it's difficult to face, I mean, I can't imagine what it felt like to stand in that spot. Um the well it's a, the, the trauma comes back to you right right yeah. when we saw that man's life being taken on television it it was very uh shocking to stand in the spot where he lost his life 
is uh, very emotional. It's, it was I, the emotion comes back right now mm-hmm. as I talk about it. And part of it is part of that. Those emotions that that come up are are part of the reasons it's difficult to talk about. Right? It's difficult right. to talk about race. It's difficult to talk about the pain that was inflicted. And yet at the same point in time, it's so important to be able yes. to talk about it. It's so important. I mean, the racism is a global issue, and yet it's the most difficult thing to talk about. So and how I do we do it? it? Can be, I think it can also be therapeutic to talk about it. This is how we heal from trauma. Right. When someone is perhaps assaulted or goes through some sort of traumatic experience, we all hope that that person receives some sort of um, therapeutic treatment afterwards. Many of us don't. We're traumatized just about every day going out into society, but we're not being treated for that trauma. And we know that when trauma victims keep things inside and can't talk about it, it, mm-hmm. it only festers and gets worse. Yes, the, and hurt people hurt people. Right. And and so how do we look at that hurt? And 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 not everyone wants to embrace the hurt. I mean, it, it, it's painful. It's emotional. Yes. And it's well, scary. We need healing, right? We right. need healing. That's right. why you and I decided to talk about racial healing. Our nation, our, our world right now, needs healing from COVID-19 and from the racial um, disparities that we see in our society, from the the divisiveness that we saw over the political, um, you know, period when we were trying to vote and and elect a new president. There was a lot of divisiveness in our country, the storming of the Capitol, right? Right. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done. And it may be clunky at first in how we talk about stuff, you know, like playing a violin. You know, you yes. start to play a violin and it screeches at first. It, 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 you, you, you need to develop the skills to be able to talk about these things. And mm-hmm. it, the energy and the eagerness may not come out right at first. And that's okay because that's part of discovering and being curious. And, yes. and our first, we're going to be going over the first chapter. We're de- dedicating this show to the first chapter of the book, which is looking at developing a positive racial identity for everyone. Mm-hmm. But in that exploration of, of looking at what's positive, we may have some clunky moments where it doesn't feel positive, right? Right. And that's part of it, right? And Annalise Singh says that racism is a system of oppression that relies on beliefs that one race or group of people is superior to another based on biological characteristics like skin color or facial features and hair. So what we need to think about is all of us are impacted by that. Right. Racism, you know, has created and continues to create wounds of pain and grief and loss for everyone in society. Right. So it's important for all of us to heal from this. And we're coming up to the end of our first segment, but what I'm hoping that we can look at right off the bat in the next segment is is looking at what is the difference between race and ethnicity? 
And I think people get that mixed up. And as we're looking mm-hmm. at doing our racial healing, I think it's first important to just clarify. So what's the difference? <laughs> right. Well, that's right. Are there differences? You know, they get kind of mixed up in terms. But what's how was the concept of race created? Why was it created? And how does it still impact us? And how does how does race how has race created um, trauma that we need to work through? I love it. All right. Well, stay with us. We'll be right back after some commercials that support our program. Uh, And we'll be back to talk about race versus ethnicity. What are the differences? And then with that, how do we start looking at our own racial identity and creating a uh, a positive image for ourselves on what that means? Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and today our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute. I have Melissa Stanton-Adams, who is the president and the executive director as my co-host. And the Diversity Institute works with organizations to develop strategies that build leadership, capacity, and promote inclusion. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for being my co-host today. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. When we've been talking about uh, the Racial Healing Handbook, and we are doing a deep dive, Melissa and I. We are going through all the exercises. They're practical activities to help you challenge privilege, confront systemic racism, and engage in collective healing. And Melissa and I are going to take the journey of healing, and we're also um, going to be Opening this up to further conversation, uh, we are going to be hosting a series of conversations um, that you can be part of. Uh, And to do that, you can go to uh, the Stanton Adams um, Diversity Institute. Why don't you give the uh, the best address for folks to go to, Melissa? Melissa, are you there? Sorry, I was on mute. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Technology. Sorry about that. Aren't we having fun? Yeah. So yes, we're, uh, we're going to be doing a whole racial healing dialogue series. And yes. the first one coming up is on March 31st. And we're doing Steps to Racial Healing, Understanding Racial Trauma and Healing. Um, and that's actually a few days after the trial gets starts. This trial starting on March 29th. And we're going to start our dialogue series on the 31st. What's the yes. best... Um, website for folks to go to to learn more about our our Racial Healing Dialogue series? They can learn more at www.stantonadams.com, and they can actually sign up right there on the website. Terrific. So we're looking at the first chapter, uh, which is Know Your Racial Identity and How Important It Is to Develop a Positive Racial Identity. Oh, yes. And, and yes. as we, as you and I were talking, it was like, we really should just like differentiate what's the difference between race and ethnicity. And yes. race is very narrow. It's really looking at just physical and biological attributes, whereas ethnicity is really more on cultural expression and your, pace, your, your, your place of origin. 
Um, mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you feel about how race got developed. The, it, it really is a construct, isn't it? That yes, was just, it is. Go for it. Yeah. It's, so what we think about when we think about race is the physical attribute that people have. And sometimes that just doesn't pan out correctly. So I'll give you an example. My wife, Cecilia, is a black Hispanic. So part of the challenge there is her skin color is black, but she is Hispanic. We also have people who are black Asian, Mm -hmm. right? We have folks who do not fit into the racial box, right? right? But what we have to think about is the political spectrum and how it plays a part in racializing Americans. Right. Well, so, and and it was developed I think initially to try and be anti-discriminatory. I mean, I think the hope was was that to make sure that that's being recognized. But I'm not so sure that just looking at your skin color and your hair texture is the best way to go about that. Exactly. But I think it also looks in, we have to look at the U.S. census, right? Right. In order for them to, for the government to count Americans, it has to be pretty a pretty simple way to do it. Um, so what they said is if your skin color is light, you're white. If your skin color is dark, you're black. Um, if your hair or your eyes look like this, you're Asian. Um, they have put each, each of us in boxes. Mm-hmm. White folks are no longer Irish, Italian, Jewish, or German. They're white. Black folks are no longer African, Jamaican, or, uh, you know, from other Barbados or stuff like that. And, They're and, black. And Cecilia, as you mentioned, you know, what box does she does she check there? Exactly. What right. box do you check? And now that America is becoming multiracial, which means that we have more people who identify as biracial, mm-hmm. the race, uh, the U.S. census, the way they count race has to change. Right. Which also brings up the fact that many states are trying to sue the U.S. census because they did not come out with the data yet. And the reason why the U.S. census data is super, super important is because they use that data to redline our communities. Well, that, that, I mean, the census has many functions, but that, that is one of the, you know, unfortunate results that come out with that. You're absolutely right. You know, right. Ide- ideally, so, it's also supposed, you know, I think when it was set up was trying to create, you know, equity and make sure that all are being supported. But you and I both know that information is used for many different reasons. Yes. So now we think about, all of that and we come back to racial healing and think about what is what is your race right or is it your ethnicity right right that's why i really think we should move into identifying people's ethnic background and allowing people to identify themselves yeah and your culture and where you grew up and and how you where you come from has you know a deep impact but unfortunately yes. but unfortunately race has been created as a construct mm-hmm. and i think it has hurt us and that's part of the part of the racial trauma because there have been privileges 
for white people. Yes. And there and have and there's about- been discrimination to people of color. Um, right. And, and that that trauma of what has happened has gone on for 400 years. We know since 1619 that people yes. were judged by the color of their skin and white were afforded privileges and people of color were not. Well, and Annalise thinks she puts it perfectly. She says, when you internalize and come to believe stereotyped ideas of who other people are and who you are, it becomes challenging to understand how extensively we are all influenced by the context of white supremacy. Right. So, you know, people of color have their opportunities and their lives limited by the barriers that they face and the way that um, their experiences and identities are marginalized. But white people find themselves participating in a system in which they gain advantages that, you know, as individuals, they may not have earned. And this can lead to feelings of unease and guilt. Yeah. And and not knowing what to do about it. You know, right. There's this, yeah, I, I see it, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it. And, and I think, what she does so well in the book is that it says you got to get in touch with when you first felt the difference, when yes. it occurred in your life, what happened. It's like any trauma. You have to go back to when did you recognize that you were part of a race and what did yeah. that look like? And both, um, both Melissa and I are going to share about that. In our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, how important it is to look at when did it first occur to you? You know, when did you discover your racial identity? And um, we'll we'll both do some exploration about how did we discover it? And then what are things that we learned from that? And and that starts our journey in the racial healing. So stay with us. Uh, We will be right back and uh, we'll continue our conversation on racial healing. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show today is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Stanton-Adams, who is the president and the executive director, as my co-host. And the Diversity Institute helps organizations move beyond checking the box for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And their initiatives to work with those organizations helps them make both meaningful and sustainable change. So welcome, Melissa. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Lori. I am so glad to be here with you. And we've been talking about intentional healing. Uh, On our last few segments, we talked a little bit about George Floyd and the impact of looking at how important racial healing is for both uh, us as individuals as well as our country and our world. And how do we do that? And how how do we start to make a difference? And... We are using the book, uh, the racial, uh, the racial healing handbook. It is by Annalise Singh, and throughout this year of 2021, we are going to do some of the exercises. And Melissa and I are also hosting uh, a series of racial dialogue. And the best way to sign up for that if, is to go to. Uh, is it the Staten Adams? Is the best one to go to? 
Yep. Melissa. www.stantonadams.com is the best site. Well, and we're going to kick this off on March 31st. Uh, we're going to do even a deeper dive than our program today, and we're going to look at steps to racial healing, understanding racial trauma and healing. And it's really important. This is going to be a few days after the trial begins on March 29th. Uh, and it's important for us to talk about, you know, how we feel, what we believe, uh, to make a difference. Because when we work on healing ourselves, we're actually supporting others in the healing process as well. So, Melissa, we talked about looking at the various exercise. The first exercise in the book is um, called My Earliest Memories of Race and of Racism. Race. Yeah. Yes. And thinking back to the earliest time, and, and the audience, you can think about this too. Think back to the earliest time you realized you had a racial identity. It's okay if you don't have to remember all and, and, and all the exact details. But write down, what can you remember from that? Um, what was that experience yeah. like when you first realized um, that you had a racial identity? Melissa, when did you first realize that you had a racial identity? You know, I, I can't remember one specific incident of realizing my racial identity, but I do remember as a young person, after school, the library was right next to our school. And I'm a uh, Gen Xer, so I was a latchkey kid. My mom and my dad were. And after school, we would go to the library and hang out until my parents got home from work. And I was just, you know, engulfed and enamored with the black authors. Uh I read books like uh, by Richard Wright. He was one of my favorite authors. Um, Toni Morrison and Maya Angelou and Zora Neale Hurston and uh, reading those books. You know, I learned about the black experience and historically my family also always talked about race and the circumstances of our existence or the circumstances of its existence and, and how were, it impacted us. What were the, those conversations like? Oh, Lori, you'll laugh. When I was a kid, honestly, I thought that there was this white man in a trench coat and a hat that looked maybe like uh, Humphrey Bogart <laughs> going around. It ruining my father's life because my father would come home and he would say things like, the white man don't want me to get ahead. The white uh, man this and the white man that. So you thought and there my, was there was actually a white man out there that was doing that? Yes, yes, <laughs> that was interfering with his life. Uh, and I'm like, who is this white man? I want to talk to him. He needs to, <laughs> like, cut it out. Alone. Yeah. I was probably five or six, and I always re- imagined that in my head. I love it. I love it. But you could also hear the pain in your father's voice. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. My father uh, left school at an early age. Uh, his mother was born in 1920, and he was born in like the 1930s, 1940s. And he uh, came up during a time where if you were a young person, a young man, you stopped school at junior high school and you went to work. So he stopped school at junior high school and went to work. Once you could learn how to read and do math as a black man, you left school and, and didn't complete high school. And that was the plight of many of the black men, you know. And you couldn't do much in America with, with the lack of a high school diploma, right? Right. Um, so you have to think about that. But there was a time when 
my father actually worked in uh, the fashion industry. He worked in the fashion district. Um, they called him a rack pusher. They would put these beautiful dresses that the designers would make on 7th Avenue in New York. They would, uh, in the fashion district, they would put the dresses on racks, and then he would push the rack of dresses down to a, ma- a place where they would sell the dresses. So uh, that was, if you Google that, you will see these men pushing racks down the street, and that was a job. And the stories he would tell when he would get home when he was frustrated, you know, and when there was emotion, yes. what, and, and he was upset that the white man was keeping him from... Tell me more. Right. It was opportunities yeah. were not not in his path. He he couldn't get, get ahead. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get ahead. He would uh, go from job to job. Eventually, he found a job where he felt comfortable. Him and his supervisor, him and his boss or the owner of the company were comfortable with each other. And my father began to move up within that company. But he still always came home with, uh, oh, I can't I couldn't get a raise. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there this long and, and he won't give me a raise. Um, eventually, uh, my father was one of the people who brought the union into his uh, place of work. And cause he'd worked with this man for probably 15 years, maybe 20 years, and finally brought the union in. And that's what caused the rift between him and his uh, longtime employer. So, it- you know, it, it's... And he, he ended up with diabetes and mm. ended up having to take disability um, at the at the latter days of his life. My father died with nothing, oh. right? So you it, think about the pain of that as well. And when, when you're a child, you, you internalize and you take all of this in. What, what do you think you internalized about race? I was angry. It? Yeah. I was angry to learn about slavery and its impacts. At an early age, I realized that I was inferior to white. That was the message. That was the, that was the message. But I remember going, there was this little girl that I used to walk to school with. I used to walk her to school every day because uh, she was a, a little pretty Hispanic girl. She lived right um, across the street from me. I would go to her home and her grandmother would make us breakfast. And we would go to school every day. So one day we read a book in our class about a girl who was a ragamuffin. And after school, we were walking home and she said, you're a ragamuffin, right? And I looked at her and I said, no, I am not. Um, And we never walked to school again after that. That is also probably one of my earliest memories of race and you know i don't even remember that little girl's name but i remember that incident absolutely and and what i hear in in that story is that the discovery of race disconnected me and a friend yes that that it did not create connections it dis right it disconnected the great point yeah because that's probably what happens with many of us when we first realize race. I remember my mother telling me a similar story of her growing up um, and walking home from school with a girl who was white. And one day her, the girl's brothers 
saw my mother and the girl walking home from school together, and the brothers chased my mother home and told her to stay away from their sister. And that was her first realization of race. And again, that disconnect, that no longer, you know, a friendship, a caring relationship gets splintered. And you know, it's interesting. I think, I think that's something that happens to many young people. We learn um, early on in adolescence that one group might be better than the other. Or we accept that as a possibility and don't question yeah. into it, maybe. I mean, they're, they're right. And, We're socialized kind of to believe this by media, our family, mm-hmm. books, education, mm-hmm. everything that is coming into a young person's um, circumference, for lack of a better term, impacts them in their development. So when you're talking about that racial identity development, all of the things that we see growing up impact that. So if I see a commercial or one of my favorite shows as a little girl, The Brady Bunch, yeah, I never saw a black person. No, they never had multicultural friends, that's for sure. No, they, and, you know, Marsha and Greg and, and Peter, Jan, Cindy, Bobby, they all brought friends home. Yeah. But they never brought a black friend home. Now, I loved Star Trek as a kid, and there was multicultural, yes. but you knew if a black person was landing on a, an alien planet, they were going to be the first of, of the back. go-away team, the, the away team that weren't coming back. I mean, it was They just, were not coming back. Anybody yeah. that went down with them with, with a spot <laughs> and, and the captain. No, no. The, the only black person that ever came back was Ohura. Yeah, oh, yeah, and Ahura, amazingly enough, not only did a beautiful job, and and she was kind of my one of my heroes. I would go around in school with a thimble in my uh, ear, telling people that I was connecting with you know the aliens because she because Ahura could do that with her communications. Uh, but yeah. she actually, after the the show was over, she went and worked with NASA to help recruit more black people into the aerospace industry. I had no idea about that. That's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And and she wanted to have more people look like her in space. And why and she asked the question why? And then she, you know, the the what if? What if we could and what could be her role in helping make a difference with that? And I think that's powerful too. Yes. We huh? we are at the end time? of this segment. And we knew going into this show today that we wouldn't. We weren't sure how much of Chapter One we were going to really be able, but we were going to go with the flow and do whatever we could with uh, addressing Chapter One. We've got one mm-hmm. more segment, and we've also got a whole year that we're going to be spending on this. So we'll we'll have next month as well to be exploring. Uh, but I do have to wrap up this segment and uh, encourage you to come back because we're going to talk more about. Um, what are the things to look about, look at, and think about in this chapter one of looking at our racial uh, identities? Uh, how are we developing them? What did we learn from our experiences of discovering race? And these are important steps uh, because when we start to heal ourselves, we'll be ready to start healing the world. So stay with us.
Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And today our show is co-produced with the Diversity Institute, and I have Melissa Stanton-Adams, who is the president and executive director, as my co-host. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're a team, and we're... We are doing a deep dive with the Racial Healing Handbook. It's by Annalise Singh. We're going to be doing it the first Saturday of the month um, throughout 2021. We're also offering, Melissa and I, programs for a whole dialogue on racial healing. Our, sh- our first uh, kicking off the series is going to be on March 31st. It's called Steps to Racial Healing, Understanding Racial Trauma and Healing. And you can get to it by going to the Stanton Adams website, and I'll have um, Melissa share that website. It's www.stantonadams.com. And our show today, we, we talked about how important it is to have a racial identity, to learn to love who we are so that we can love others and connect with others. Uh, we talked about the differences between race and ethnicity. And in our last segment, uh, Melissa shared her story. Um, The exercise, the first exercise in the book of racial healing is to think back to the earliest time you realized you had a racial identity. And and I encourage you to think about that. Um, Not if you're driving, don't write this down, but if you're home, maybe write down a few notes. You don't have to remember everything, but what happened? What, What was it that occurred that you then realized you had a racial identity. And we promised that we would both be be doing sharing. Um, I'll, I'll share that when the very first time I realized I was uh, maybe not even three years old and the George family was a family that my mom, when she was uh, working and doing things, she had me stay at. And the George family was wonderful African-American family. And when I think back at that family, all I can think of is love. I mean, there was just intense, incredible love. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we we were, uh, Rhonda and Ruby were older and um, we were getting all ready for watching uh, the Black Beauty Contest. And so we were all getting dressed up for the Black Beauty Contest because we were all going to compete in the Black Beauty Contest. And there was, you know, a fight between the brother and the sisters as to why I was going to be part of this because I'm not black. And and Martha had to pick me up and, and I, I wasn't understanding. I was starting to cry because I, I didn't understand what it meant not to be black because I didn't know what that meant. And um, and she was she was firm and she was like, you have to understand you are white and you are different. And I remember just wailing, crying, because I, I, I just mm. didn't understand what that meant. And I thought being different meant that then they weren't going to love me. And, and, and that that was the disconnect. And when, when I heard that in, in your story as well about how understanding race really can disconnect us. Um, and I remember all the sadness. You know, the, the, when we think about race – and our own racial development um, and understanding that there can be a, a whole flood of sadness that comes with that. Um, yes. The whole sense of loss. That's that's part of the trauma. Um, but also I think we can learn from it. One of the things that she also asked us to do – oh, one of the other things that I then recognized later as I was growing up about even in that situation, I had white privilege. I called her Martha. Mar- you know, and, and I noticed later everyone else called her Mrs. George. You know, mm. why did I have, as a three-year-old, 
the privilege to almost, you know, speak to her as a peer, as Martha. But as a child, it was like close to saying mama, you know, Martha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but all the other kids, it was either mom, you know, mother or mom, you know, mama or Mrs. George. No one ever called her by her first name. Um, and why did I have that privilege? Right. And as I look at it, you know, in terms of like, so what do we learn from it? You know, what were things if um, if we knew now, if what we knew now, uh, we knew back then? Um, yeah. What were some of the things that that would have helped me with? Is that sometimes um, what seems like anger might not be anger; it might be pain. What what I thought mm-hmm. that Mrs. George was saying to me in her anger angry tones. It, it it may actually be pain and not anger. And how can I listen to anger and listen more deeply and hear pain so that yes. that is what I can hear and not necessarily um, react to the anger? Um, and I can continue asking the question why. That, yeah. that, that, that the same question that I asked as a three-year-old, I can keep asking, and like, why? why? Why have we made up this? Uh, and, and that also knowing if I had, you know, the three-year-old can't really understand systems, um, but the systems were set up to create separateness. Yeah. And, and if there was a way that I could understand that this is this was just something people made up, it, it's not real. Right. And then for me, I think something that I wish, so it, it asked, you know, reflecting on your earliest memories of your own race, yeah. list of things you needed to know. And for me, I think if my parents would have said, you know, each day before you left the house, People can be mean, and they may make issue with your color, but you are beautiful in love, and we mm. love you unconditionally. Wow! Right. This is something that I think may have made may may have had a better helped me to have a better self of uh, sense of self and a better sense of uh, self confidence growing up. Um. So yeah, I totally agree. Like there were some messages that we could have uh, heard as young people that could have helped to kind of soften the blow uh, or pain of racial trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the beauty of now you being able to say to yourself, I am beautiful and I am loving yes. and, and I yes. am these things that are important to me. Yes. And, and, I, and I know we only have a minute left, but I think it's really important for us to find the love of our race for ourselves. Yes. And yes. that it brings up sadness it brings up shame it brings up guilt but the more powerful you can be and and being proud of your race doesn't mean that you uh, become proud of being a white supremacist that's not right that's unequal treatment i mean you have to find what it is that connects you and not separates you and that's our journey as we're looking at how to develop um, a healing from the racial trauma and develop um, truly uh, a healing of uh what it means to have a racial healing. So thank you. Thank you, Melissa, for joining us today. And um, I look forward to having deeper dive conversations with others that want to join us uh, on our racial healing series. Yeah. Have a great week. Think about who you are and celebrate it.